This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, October 8th, and we have about one and a half weeks to go until the start of the NBA regular season. Today on the podcast, we're going to be looking at key fantasy questions from the Pacific Division. As we go division by division, this is our fifth out of six divisional previews. That means the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Suns, and Kings. We'll talk LeBron James, draft position, DeAndre Ayton's contract situation, and much more. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Ryan Knaus, Raphael Johnson, Steve Alexander. Fellas, I'll throw this one out to the room at large for starters. Have we recovered from our draft earlier this week? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Had an interesting podcast yesterday with uh, Aaron Bruski and Dan Bespris. Bespris was in that draft with us. A lot of, a lot of talk about uh, me taking Luca at one, of course. That seems to be a thing. A lot, a lot of talk about uh, me making unusual picks. That seems to be a trending trending topic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I also enjoyed Brad Stonebreaker's draft grades column that he wrote. He gave us all grades. Somehow he gave Ryan a B plus and I just got a B, even though I didn't auto pick Kyrie Irving in the second round. Still can't wrap my head around that one. But, yeah, I'm feeling good. Steve, Steve's a little salty about that. Great. I understand that. And the, I mean, obviously the, the, for me, the Kyrie auto pick in the second round lessons learned, we could talk more about that another day, but I was really happy with my team. I think I, I came out with a strong team and a, a two center league, especially with that early round disaster, things could have gone south in a hurry, but I was happy with my picks. Uh, I felt a little bad for Raf, our, our colleague, Brad gave Raf a, a little bit of a harsh grade in the in the draft grades. I don't wow. know if you've seen that, Raf. I, I saw it. Oh boy, <laughs> oh, yeah, he I saw, saw it. it. He saw it. <laughs> you finished with, I believe, a, a C plus. Would you care to comment? I still plan on winning the league for a second straight year. So, <laughs> you know that, yeah. that he's entitled to his opinion. Obviously, that's what he's paid to provide. But I was a bit surprised by the lack of bench spots in our roster. I think we only have two, and. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to have some speaks with whoever's responsible for that because I think I, I take that as as a direct shot at me because that's that was a key for me last year was having a good bench and that's why I went on my run. So I'd like to know if you know if this is one of those let's let's do what we can to make sure he doesn't win the league again type moves. But wow, rules changed. Rules changed for Raph. Wow, this the Raph rule. By the way. That, that reminds me of like Jared Johnson coming on this podcast at some point when Raph was on and just yelling out, pay this man his respect. He is the reigning, cha- he is the champion of the league. Give this man his respect. So that's how I felt yeah. hearing about that draft grade. Give this man his respect. And I just want to say, speaking of respect, Steve Alexander, as I understand it, changed a tire appointment to be here today. That is dedication to the podcast. And I just want to give you a special shout out at the start, Steve, for doing so. Well, it's funny. I I had my tires looked at. I was a little nervous about my tires when I drove a million miles to Wisconsin 
10 days ago or whenever that was. And uh, the guy at the tire store looked at my tires. He's like, dude, I hope you're not planning on driving anywhere of any distance anytime soon, because I don't, I don't know how long this tire is going to last. I was like, yeah, I, I, whatever Ryan said on that podcast about presumably this car, that's not any safer than it was before. It was completely accurate. I'm just glad I made it uh, there and back alive. Steve drove to Wisconsin on four hubcaps, basically, just on four, <laughs> grinding those rims all the way down the highway. What is that noise? It's... All right. Well, let's get into this Pacific Division preview. We'll start in Phoenix, where DeAndre Ayton, as I'm sure you guys have heard, is reportedly not happy that he does not yet have a contract extension like some of his draft colleagues. This is via Dwayne Rankin of the Arizona Republic. The quote is, from Aiden, all that blood and sweat and tears and the sacrifices our team made, and you're trying to say it was a fluke. It's personal now. I have so much vengeance coming into this league. I'm fed up. That's just my energy right now. I wonder, yes, Raph. I kind of wonder if that was more about people not picking the Suns as a contender as opposed to his contract status. Okay, okay. That's how, that's how oh, I yeah. took it. Like, obviously... We can obviously we're going to get into it, but he wasn't too thrilled with not getting a max contract extension. That's understandable. Okay. But the whole blood, sweat, and tears thing—I took that to be more of a a feeling about the preseason prognostications and what. Got it. Got it. Okay. So the don't attach the quote to the contract situation, but there is a contract situation. It's fair to say, and it's still a good quote either way. I mean, it's like, how do you really feel, DeAndre Ayton? Well. That's the thing. It, he's mad about. We already know he's mad about his contract. Now he's also being mad about being disrespected. So you know, I think the question here is: Is DeAndre Ayton going to play angry, and is he going to be even better than he was in the playoffs last year? And I mean, I I feel like the answer is yes. I'm. You know, we've slowly been building this DeAndre Ayton hype machine all summer long, really, because ever since the playoffs, we just. Does this change the needle on Aiton? Does this every right. week we would we would ask ourselves that? And for me, the needle has finally changed. And I think Ryan drafted DeAndre Aiton. I did. I got him in I believe round three of a two center league. Might have been round four, but I you know I love where he's at. I don't see the contract thing as a distraction or a problem. Uh, he either enters the season in a contract year, potentially going into restricted free agency. Or he gets the max contract. Either way, I think he's going to be playing motivated. As we said, he's upset by the kind of perception about him around the league and and around the Suns and a fluke run to the finals, that kind of thing. So that's all the motivation he needs. And I think it's a good thing that he's happy in Phoenix. You know, even if he doesn't get the max extension now, it seems like he's pretty copacetic with the franchise prior to that. He had said on Media Day, all I want to do is win a championship. I want to represent this city. Phoenix is where I'm at. I'm expecting to get it done as a team. Uh, let's finish what we started, which is bring a championship to Phoenix, period. So I think he's happy. His head is in the right place. You know, the contract, as I said, no matter which way it breaks, I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, I don't really have any concerns. I I think he's ended up being like a second round caliber player this season, personally. Um, he talked about the anger. And I think something that he realized during that playoff run is the importance of being aggressive from the start. I think that's been an issue for him in the past. He's been a bit too deferential, especially during the regular season last year. You have Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They're obviously going to need their shots and they're going to have the ball a lot. But I think as the got the postseason going, he became a bit more demanding in terms of wanting the basketball. 
and just as importantly, going after the basketball. It's rebounding, blocking shots. So I think that's something that's going to carry over, and, and you have that additional motivation of you have a franchise that hadn't been to the playoffs in, what, a decade, and they suddenly end up in the NBA Finals. So there's naturally going to be questions from the outside world about that. And now he's going to want to have to prove it again because you have all these quote-unquote shiny new toys like Los Angeles, for example. And he's going to want to go out there and prove it you know, for himself and his team that last year wasn't a fluke. So I, I'm expecting a big year for him. I think I'm a bit higher on him than some of the guys based upon Steve's uh, facial reaction. I said he could be a second-round player this year. No, that was Matt. I gave you a face, too. <laughs> Look, I drafted him two years in a row in the 30-team league, 30 deep, because I had it. my first round. My first pick was like 20-something. You have to kind of take a swing on something at that point. So I took Aiton two years in a row in that league, you know, in the 25, 27 range, and he just let me down. He was fine, but I'm worried that he's just fine. That's my worry. And if we're taking, if we're counting on to be a second round player, a third round player, I'm a little worried we're going to be slightly disappointed. And he might be, he might just be, I don't know. I know he's young. I know he's ascending, but is he, is he a guy who can ever get close to two blocks per game? I'm not convinced of that. And if he's not going to do that, if he's going to be more like a one block per game guy, low ones, he needs a lot more points and more rebounds. And I'm just not sure. Is it in there? I don't know. I don't know. So I, I'm willing to be convinced. Well, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna find out this this season. Like, if he has all this, all these quotes, and coming off that stellar playoff run, even when he, even when he was great in the playoffs, he really wasn't blocking a ton of shots. But I mean, if he can't come out and ball out this year, it's not gonna happen. So this is it. This is it, and I'm going to let everyone else draft him. Even at 34, where Ryan got him, hmm. I think I'm still passing a little longer. I'm ho- I'm holding out. I think. Well, you you're just scoring. Spoken like someone who's been burned. Yeah, yeah exactly. he's scoring lover man. <laughs> I'm taking a year off. I'm taking a year off. I'm willing to take the loss. If that means taking a loss on Aiden this year, I'll do it. See other see other people for a year, and then and then see, <laughs> yeah. see what happens. Precisely. Dude, I've had Joe Mixon on my fantasy team for five straight years in the same league because I always go running back, running back. And at the end of the second round, he was always sitting there. I just traded him for Cordell Patterson. So, wow. I broke up with my longtime companion, Joe Mixon, yesterday. This is not a fantasy football podcast, but that's a bold move, Steve. That's a bold, bold trade. It's pretty bold. Yeah, I know. I have lots of running backs, though. All right. I'm okay. I need to get Mixon out of my life. So, you gotta okay. do what you gotta do. Nothing against Cordero, who who I have picked up in fantasy leagues, but yeah, that was. I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised to see your Mixon relationship come to an end this way, but so it is. You're listening to a good football show on NBC Sports <laughs> Edge. Uh, okay, now let's go to the Lakers, who, as we know, have added Russell Westbrook. I know personally I'm having a little bit of a hard time imagining how that whole thing is going to play out in terms of Westbrook and LeBron's value. And combined with LeBron's age, that had him in our draft this week go in the third round, 27th overall. Steve, I'll ask you this first. Like, Can you say no at that point in the draft when you know taking LeBron there, first of all, you know, LeBron at 27 sounds really good on paper, but you are passing on guys like potentially Jalen Brown, Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, and Christian Wood, to name a few guys who went after LeBron in that draft. Yeah, I think LeBron's at the age now where, you know, last season I felt like I could say yes to LeBron and pass on a young guy. But now with the constant day-to-day 
And, you know, we haven't seen them in the preseason. We're probably not going to. Who knows how much those guys are going to be resting. I I just can't do it. I need I need a young guy that I think has a chance to play every day. Now, Josh took LeBron, and I, I'm not – I don't hate the pick. I don't think it's a bad pick. I think – that's about the right spot for LeBron, but for me personally, I'm not. I'm not doing it. I wouldn't either. I mean, 27 still too early for me. Uh, that was a nine cat league, so you're talking about deficits and turnovers in addition to the big free throw percentage hit. Uh, and to me, that's the only way I can get LeBron into the third round is if if you're punting free throw percentage, in which case he's considerably more valuable. But if he's projected at around 65 games played, and that seems you know about right. Uh, maybe 33 minutes per game, just a slight dip from last year. I don't see how he gets into the top 30 for nine cap. Yeah, I could easily say no on taking LeBron that early because unlike last year, the Lakers now have an excuse to not play him every night. With all due respect to Dennis Schroeder and Alex Caruso, those aren't guys you're going to hand the keys to the, to the attack to if LeBron has to sit, unless he's actually injured like he was with that high ankle sprain. Now you've got Russell Westbrook in there. You know he's going to be full throttle whenever he's in between the lines. So, and he's also got that resume, you know, MVP awards and all that stuff, averaging triple doubles, where the Lakers can be a little bit more conservative with LeBron's minutes, whether that's resting him for a full game or giving him longer stints on the bench within the course of a game. So, yeah, the, the names you mentioned earlier, I would definitely pass on LeBron in favor of them. And we're talking the third round of a nine-cat league. I always like it when Roth starts out a take with with all due respect to so and so and so and so, because it's 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 always fun for me. I enjoy it. Uh, I was just gonna say during that, I did get an update that Joe Mixon dealing with that ankle injury is going to practice and try to play Steve. So just wanted to pass that along for your other rosters. Do you have Mixon? Uh, whatever. Okay, <laughs> Steve just staring at me stone faced. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Raf, you had wanted to talk quickly about a couple lower profile additions for the Lakers, most notably Malik Monk and Kent Bazemore. Is your thought that one or both of those guys could potentially carve out a sneaky, significant role? Well, the, the catalyst for that was the Trevor Reza ankle injury and subsequent surgery. He's going to be out about eight weeks. He had the look of a guy who could potentially fit into that starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Um now they, they lose a bit of their flexibility in terms of potentially being able to go small. So I was wondering, could Kent Bazemore or Malik Monk be a guy that managers may want to consider in late rounds, not in their standard league, but maybe a really deep league? Because I think there are some things you can like there about those guys. Like I could see Bazemore starting. Um, he'll give them a little bit of production defensively. Monk doesn't offer anything on that end of the floor, but he's a potentially explosive scorer. So I just kind of wanted to open it up to you guys to see what you thought about either one of those players being a potential deep league option. I will not go near either of them, probably. I just feel like with Ariza out, you might see Carmelo Anthony get more playing time. It was unclear previously where he was going to get minutes from, really. They just have too much depth. You're talking Taylor Horton Tucker can get minutes. Kendrick Nunn, for sure, should should pick up extra minutes. And then you have Wes Matthews and Wayne Ellington. There's just this huge platoon of interchangeable parts, whether they go big or small. So, you know, and I don't really see the permanent upside. Yes, Malik Monk has been awesome in the preseason. I feel like we've seen that before from him. If not, we've at least seen short bursts of extreme productivity and high scoring games in particular that kind of grab the eye only to see him vanish and be deeply inconsistent and inefficient. 
you know, some microwave scoring off the Lakers bench, sure, but reliable fantasy value, no thanks. Maybe a little bit of DFS here and there, but otherwise, not not really. And Bazemore, too low usage, doesn't really move the needle. He's a decent nine-cat deeply guy, I guess, but that's about as, as far as I'll go with that. I have a feeling that Malik Monk is going to be a guy that gets picked up off waiver wires if he gets hot. Uh, I feel like he's a good shooter, and I feel like he's a good fit for a team that needs shooters. Looking at this Lakers depth chart and roster, it almost looks to me like they could just put together an A team and a B team and just alternate them every game. And that way, AD gets a day off. LeBron gets a day off. Westbrook gets a day off. Everybody gets a day off. It's weird, but I I agree with Ryan. Taylor Horton Tucker's going to play. Bazemore's going to play. Mello's going to play, and Mello might be sneaky here too. This Ariza loss could really help Mello, and that's a lot of Hall of Famers on the court at one time, even though all of them are kind of old. I feel like Mello could come out. Remember how fast he started last year, if I'm remembering correctly? I feel like Mello comes out of the gates ready to play, and then the age kind of catches up with him. Like Mello, like a first few weeks sensation wouldn't shock me at all. And Raph, I mean, I do, I do think Malik Monk's interesting just yeah, I still think he's a good prospect. Still just 23 years old. Had 18 points, four threes, three dimes the other night off the bench. I'm definitely watching him. And, and I do buy into Bazemore's potential if he were to carve out the role. I mean, just as a guy who can get you a little bit of everything. So I have both guys on my watch list. I don't think I'm drafting anywhere unless we are talking about like a super deep league. But I think it's, it's good to remember both those guys because I, I would say that they're both pretty much forgotten when we talk about the Lakers. On to the Clippers, where Tyron Liu has made life extremely easy for us, actually, by announcing his starting lineup for the upcoming season already. That is Reggie Jackson, Eric Bledsoe, Paul George, Marcus Morris, and Ivica Zubats. We've talked about a lot of these guys on recent episodes. So wanted to focus on Marcus Morris, who, with no Kawhi Leonard, uh, can we potentially see Morris return to something closer to what he did with the Knicks in 2019-20 before being traded to the Clippers. Now, that was 19.6 points per game. Great shooting. Maybe he doesn't have that kind of ceiling in LA, but could we see something better, Raph, than what we saw this past season when he shot only, I believe, 31% on threes? I think we will, just because there are going to be more opportunities available to him. you You essentially replaced Kawhi Leonard with Eric Bledsoe. And he's not a prolific scorer by any stretch of the imagination. Like, he'll certainly help them defensively. But in terms of the scoring, they're going to need to find those baskets somewhere. You expect Paul George to see his numbers increase. Reggie Jackson as well. He's coming off of what was basically a career year for him. So those guys will take on more. But I think Morris is in a position where he'll have a full offseason. Remember, last offseason, coming off of knee surgery. So he really didn't have that time to get sharp. You know, you're trying to do that while games are in play. That's a difficult thing to do. So I think he's going to bounce back this season personally. He might. I feel like the only people he gets fired up playing against are Luka Doncic and his brother uh, at this point in his career. But, you know, Marcus Morris is and can be a pretty good three-point shooter when he gets hot. Uh, This lack of Kawhi Leonard should not be understated. Nicholas Batum is way on the downside of his career, even though he keeps bouncing back and showing sparks. It's hard to believe Nick Batum is still a factor in the league. So, I mean, all the people 
are in the right place for Marcus Morris to succeed, but I just don't know. I, I just don't see him as a guy I really need on my fantasy teams, but I think he's more along the lines of Malik Monk where I just want to keep an eye on him if he's on the waiver wire and if he gets hot, go get him. Yeah, there might be a couple weeks here and there where he's helpful, but I'll let other people take that risk. This is a guy who's never been better than top 130 on a per 36-minute basis. Uh, Last season's numbers, he shot 47% from the field, 47% from deep, both not even close to his previous career highs, just blew him out of the water. Don't expect to see that again. Uh, Doesn't really rebound the ball as well as you might think. Uh, Only four boards each of the last two seasons. Doesn't get assists. Doesn't get defensive stats. And yes, Kawhi is not there, but they have Luke Kennard. They have Terrence Mann. They have Nick Batum. They have Justice Winslow even. So there's (laughs) plenty of options. I think the minutes will be there for Morris. But as I said, he's a pretty pretty hollow guy. And uh, Raph wants a chance for a rebuttal here. So have at it. I can't include Justice Winslow in that conversation. No, he's done. I know he's there and I know he's kind of, he looks early on, he kind of looks like a Swiss army knife type player for them, potentially. Uh, The name you do mention, I really like is Terrence Mann. I think it's well known. I've been on the man bandwagon all summer long, but they're thinking about using him as like the, the leader of that second unit. And that could be huge for him. So even though he's not going to start, maybe that's the guy that that we've talked about him on here before. That's why I didn't want to bring him up again. But maybe that's the guy that that fantasy managers should be looking out for, even though he won't be in that opening night starting lineup. Hey, Roth, if you go um, open your window and yell at that guy weed whacking, we will all send you a jersey. Uh, tomorrow, I'm, I'm but not you saying. have to like you have to yell like really loud and turn the camera over there, and it, you have to basically start a fight with the guy. With the okay, yeah, I'm just gonna work the mute button. <laughs> yeah, ref definitely working the mute button. By the way, that 31 percent number on three point shooting, I misspoke or I I labeled that to the wrong year. That was after Marcus Morris got traded to the Clippers the previous year. You're right, Ryan. He did shoot 47 percent last year but only 10 field goal attempts per game so i think with Kawhi out there is a case for marcus morris to be a little better this upcoming year have you ever brought your magic to walt disney world like hey we came to play did you tip your tiara to a creole princess or get goofy officially step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life did you if you could would you when we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's 
who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. We'll move on to uh, the Warriors. And I actually want to start this by quickly mentioning a good friend of mine who made a very ill-advised decision this week, guys. My friend Jason from college has decided that he spends too much time on fantasy basketball and he wants to spend more time with his family. So he is leaving the game behind for (laughs) at least this season, possibly for good. He sent me a note the other day to inform me of this news. He's leaving one one of my favorite home leagues. He is, however, a big Warriors fan, lives in the Bay Area. And as he unlaced his basketball shoes for the final time he told me he thinks (laughs) with a tearful eye that jordan Poole is going to have a huge year so in honor of jason and his very bad decision i wanted to quickly talk Poole's fantasy outlook now Poole went 134th overall taken by one jonas nader in our draft this week he dropped 30 in the warriors preseason opener averaged 21.4 points in seven starts last season ryan what are your thoughts here on Jason or Jordan Poole? Uh, I'll go with, I mean, Jason, tough life decisions. I, you know, I think you made the wrong one choosing family over fantasy basketball, obviously. But um, if we want to talk uh, Jordan Poole, I, I guess I'm obviously higher on him because I, I think I'm the only person currently among uh, my colleagues to have him ranked in the in our 8-cat aggregate ranks. Uh, he tends to fall. He'll go undrafted in a lot of leagues. But I think for a flyer pick, for sure, there's absolute upside. We still don't know when Clay is going to come back. He's going to have all the limitations. We saw Poole put up some excellent stretches last year. And the Warriors still need help playmaking. It's not like they added a bunch of playmaking help on the offseason. They're depending on that internal growth. You know, there's a chance that he starts, I suppose. Is that still in the cards? But regardless, I think a sixth man role, uh, being a featured scorer with a second unit, uh, secondary playmaker will suit him quite well. And uh, as long as he can be efficient enough and he's not going to hurt your field goal percentage, I think there's definite late round appeal there. I like Jordan Poole. He's not on my my guys list, but I like what he's doing in the preseason. I think he had a good training camp He's going to play a big role for that team with or without Clay Thompson, and and we don't really know when Clay's coming back. So I think you get to the end of your draft and you want to take a flyer on Jordan Poole. Uh, Jason is giving out some good good advice in his last hurrah. Do you think this is a Jason decision, Matt, or do you think this is a Jason's wife decision? Wow, I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to answer. I'm not going to answer that question, Steve. Okay. I think that's a trap. That's a trick question. Okay. Yeah. If she hears this, <laughs> that man's going to be in for it. You can't ask that question. I think this is a Jason <laughs> decision. He he seemed clear headed about it. I read his text and I was like, you know what? I'm not even I'm not even going to try to to bring him back because this is his journey. He's got to go through this. He's got to experience this as someone who has quit fantasy sports before many years ago. It turned out to be a total fake quitting because I came back like. 48 hours later. I know what he's going through. I understand. You're still making a horrible mistake, Jason. Don't do it. Well, it's apparently he he feels strongly enough about competing to win that he can't just he can't just half do this. He can't do it halfway. That's correct. That's what he said. I'm not just going to show up to be around my buddies. I'm either going to try to win or I'm not. And, and yeah. I'm not going to give it 100%. Or he knows he knows he know, has man. a problem, and he is going to give it a hundred percent if he plays. So therefore, he cannot play at all. Listen, if, if he's making J- Jordan Poole fantasy takes on his way out the door, I'm not <laughs> sure how long this is going to last for, for for Jason. I think he's coming back. He said, "I will miss this league dearly, but I spent too much time on it, and I can't dial it back. I'm either all in or all out." That's you're exactly right, Steve. 
That's fantastic. But yeah, I'll see him in about a week, probably. <laughs> All right. Are we done with uh, Jason, the Warriors and Jordan Poole? Are we moving to the next topic? R- Raph, did you have a Jordan Poole thought? Yeah, I was going to agree with Ryan. I think he's a, definitely a guy that you want to take in the late rounds. You know, Andrew Wiggins obviously has his vaccination situation cleared up, but he was he's never been a very efficient scorer, and he's not really a guy that the Warriors trust to be a playmaker. So you can't put all that on Steph and Draymond until Clay gets back, even when Clay gets back. So this is a prime opportunity for Jordan Poole to step up. Preseason is preseason, but he has looked good, and I think – they're going to give him a bit more on his plate, whether it's as the fifth starter or if it's leading that second unit. And he's a guy that people should definitely have on their radar. I agree. And I and based on Jason's comments and you guys ratifying, I'm taking Jordan Poole in all of my remaining leagues, if I can, if I can beat you guys to it. The final team we're going to hit today is the Sacramento Kings, where... Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes, I noticed, both finished in the 80s, a couple spots apart, according to Basketball Monsters rankings, of nine category leagues last year. And interestingly, both guys averaged just over 16 points per game. Both averaged a career high in assists last year, 3.6 for Heald, 3.5 for Barnes, kind of out of nowhere. Do we think this is repeatable, Raph? And who, who are you drafting first among these guys? Like, Do you, do you have a lean between Barnes and Heald? Eileen Barnes, if only because they tried to ship Buddy Heald out of town this summer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Barnes has been through the ringer before with regard to being traded. I think he understands it's just part of the business. But we've seen Buddy in the past get a bit, have his feathers ruffled a bit by certain situations that he may not agree with. Like most famously, when Luke Walton had him come off the bench, when they still had Bogdan Bogdanovich. So that concerns me a bit. Like he... Obviously, he can give you points and three-point production. The assists, I don't know if that's sustainable because he's never really been that type of player throughout his career. I know he had the career year last season, but I think we're going to see a bit of a regression in that in that uh, category this year. So I trust Barnes a bit more personally. Yeah, I, my concern with Buddy Heald is you've got Tyrese Halliburton, you've got Davion Mitchell, you've got all these guys there now. So I'm not really high on Buddy Heald like I usually am. Like he's he's always a guy that I kind of root for, but not really interested in him this season. And then Harry Barnes to me, I feel like Matt, I feel like he's 41, 42 years old. I, I'm just not really feeling that either. Although he just keeps he's just Mr. Slow and steady and boring and just puts up solid numbers year after year. Uh Harrison Barnes, real guess. Give me your real guess at his age, Steve. I looked this up this morning. You looked it up? Uh, I was just look, I was just happened to look it up. I have no idea. I'm going to say 30 years old. You're pretty close. 29. Yeah. Yeah. With with Buddy Heald, it's almost like they gave him a big extension, and then we're like, hmm, why did we do that? What, <laughs> what can we get? Can we have to keep this guy? Like, what? What in the world? They they gave him an extension and immediately started messing with his spot in the rotation. It feels like it's never really stopped, Ryan. They is Vladi Divots, to be clear. I was going to say, it's almost like the Kings management had a hand in in this. Um, Yeah, it's an awkward situation. And, you know, it was compounded last year by the fact that Buddy, like, couldn't make a shot for all the world for the first couple months of the season. It seemed like he was in a wicked slump, managed to claw his way back north of 40%. Mm -hmm. But uh, that took a big toll. Now, the Kings are talking a lot about three-guard lineups, but of course, Davion Mitchell is going to be part of that. They've even talked about four-guard lineups. I believe that was a quote from Heald himself around media day. 
how much we're going to see that, how much that bolsters his minutes remains to be seen. And what is his role currently? I mean, on this team with Halliburton and Fox, there aren't going to be many opportunities, and obviously even Mitchell now, many opportunities for Heald to initiate the offense, uh, you know, find teammates and be a playmaker. He's really just a catch-and-shoot three-point guy, three-pointers being easier than ever to find on the waiver wire. I'm not sure how much value added Buddy Heald has over Duncan Robinson. So why not, you know, why reach multiple rounds earlier to get someone like Heald in an awkward situation who might be traded mid-season to what situation? We don't know. So too many question marks there. Harrison Barnes doesn't have a lot of ceiling, but 36 plus minutes per game last year, still on the right side of 30. He's safer in my mind. Yeah, I think it's a situation that's the the big issue with Heald because I mean, the numbers last year, other than the, the field goal percentage, which you mentioned, were actually pretty nice. You know, I think he was 16-something points per game. He had that career-high in assists, four three-pointers per game. Like, there, there is plenty to like about Heald's fantasy game in the right situation. And by the way, Buddy Heald saying that the Kings are going to run four, more four-guard lineups kind of reminds me, Steve, of when we were talking about Christian Wood <laughs> announcing the Rockets starting lineup <laughs> to a reporter. <laughs> Just cracks me up. <laughs> Kings guard Buddy Heald says the Kings will play more guard-heavy lineups. I love it. Kingsguard Buddy Heald praying that he gets to play this season. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to manifest his own destiny there. Yeah. Quickly, Steve, I'm going to ask you this because I feel like uh, this is particularly a hot topic for you. Marvin Bagley, is he even like on your radar going into this year in any way, shape, or form? Have we totally given up on Marvin Bagley as like a guy who has any chance of breaking out? Even when he plays well, it's like 14 points nine boards zero blocks like i don't know man i'm and what i just what a i hate to say it but what a what a bad pick by the kings in that draft um I, i'll always root for marvin bagley but i will not always have him on my fantasy team and so far this year he has made it onto zero of them guess how old he is 26 uh, he's only like 22 yeah 22 mm-hmm. he's 22 he was just drafted a couple of years ago he's been burning me since he was 12 Jeez. <laughs> hey I, look i will say this but ryan i know you're about to talk about bagley and i'll let you do that in just it's one fine. second i will just say it wasn't that long ago that i actually thought bagley had a lot of fantasy upside i mean his rookie season i'm just looking back at it i mean he was around 15 points eight rebounds in a block as a 19 year old that's super promising. I mean, I think to some extent he hasn't been able to get healthy, and I think it, there's questions about his defense, but I don't know. Somewhere in there is actually like a guy who could put up good numbers in the right situation. Steve's shaking his head. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, no. There, I mean, there are definitely questions about his defense to to silence any concerns you had there, but uh, I, I was curious if he was being drafted, and sure enough, on Yahoo, his ADP is 137.8 currently, and he's drafted in 51% of leagues, so he's kind of one of those bubble guys. I feel like the only reason he is being drafted is maybe because of those rookie year numbers you cited, and just the fact that you know he still has cachet as a former early-round pick, but... Mm-hmm. To I think what Steve said, we have seen no indication that he can sustain that. And it seems like even on the good nights, you're like, wow, he shot 8 of 11 from the field, but he was 3 of 10 at the free throw line. And it's, you know, there's always problems. The minutes are iffy, the versatility is iffy, lack of defensive stats. So he's he's got a lot to prove before I would put him on my draft board. He's just in a bad spot. Like He missed a lot of time last year due to injury. He's not a good defender. That team is atrocious defensively. And you essentially mm-hmm. have a head coach who's on the clock. So 
I have a, I have questions about how much he will trust a former lottery pick who wasn't picked by the current front office when he really needs to show signs of improvement, like getting to the last two weeks of the regular season with a snowball's chance of reaching the playing rounds isn't enough for Luke Walton. I'd argue that he'd probably be gone before that point if it happens. So I expect Bagley to start, but I don't think he's going to have the most leeway. Like if that team mm-hmm. gets off to a slow start defensively, I could see him being the one who, who ends up being the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, where they make a change to that lineup to get better on that end of the floor. Yeah, that makes sense. And the, the final note about the Kings, we don't have to talk about this for long, but I will say, if you haven't checked out our draft show, either on the podcast or video version, one of the many insights I took away from that was Jonas Nader's comments about De'Aaron Fox, who it's two different stories for him last season when it comes to his numbers. And he finished on an absolutely explosive run uh, with numbers that were even better than his season numbers. So I don't know. I think we may be drafting De'Aaron. It's possible we're drafting De'Aaron Fox too late, in fact. I think, where is he? What's his ADP? Is it like 30-something, around 30? Does anybody have that in front of him? I think he went third, low 30s in, in our draft the other day. Uh, maybe 33rd, if I'm remembering correctly. And his ADP on Yahoo is 41.7, which is decidedly too low. Wow. So 31 in our draft. So maybe that's more realistic, realistically indicative of a competitive league. I I don't know. I'm starting to really talk myself into De'Aaron Fox this year. And I think I might even be taking him, you know, in the 20s, mid to late 20s, once some of my favorite guys there are gone. Steve? Do you draft LaMelo or De'Aaron Fox? LaMelo. But shortly thereafter, I will turn up. Oh, Raph is making a face. Raph's making a I don't know face. Yeah, I don't I don't know because of the tear that De'Aaron finished on for one. And he's always had the green light to shoot. You know, the percentages yeah. aren't always great. But not saying that LaMelo doesn't have the green light, but I think it's a bit different in Charlotte as opposed to Sacramento, where they pretty much just let De'Aaron run rough shot whenever he wants. So. I think I would go De'Aaron instead of LaMelo personally. Interesting. Well, and I think part of what sold me that Jonas was saying was that De'Aaron Fox finished shooting pretty well from the free throw line too, or at least better than his season numbers. And I just was checking his most recent preseason box score, and lo and behold, he was six for six in the free throw line. I mean, we've seen it before where guys do fix that free throw percentage. It's not like De'Aaron Fox has a horrendously busted shooting stroke. He's a point guard who's a decent enough shooter that – he should be able to shoot like 78% from the free throw line and not be a not be a huge liability there. Maybe not great, but he, he shouldn't be in the low 70s, like based on that guy's profile as a player. Yeah, you're basically talking about his, his final two months of the season. He did just that. He was 77.6% from the line, almost 50% from the field, averaged 28 points per game with uh, nearly two steals, six dimes, uh, you know, a couple three-pointers. So he was just on fire down the stretch uh, to, to Jonas's point. Yeah. All right. Well, that's an interesting ADP discussion. I, I still think I'm I'm on Lamelo, but shortly thereafter, I'm turning to De'Aaron. We're done with the teams in the Pacific, but we do have one leftover item from last week. Raf uh, had wanted to talk about a certain Portland Trailblazers guard, and I forgot about it. We didn't do it. So, Raf, the floor is open. The mower is chopping. Yeah. For a little uh, Anthony Simons. Anthony yeah, Simons. of course, I want to talk about Simons. They're really getting up full throttle outside. But yeah, <laughs> I think with the coaching change, now that Chauncey Billups wants to use him as more of a playmaker, like he was primarily a catch-and-shoot guy last season, season prior to that. 
I am intrigued here as a late round guy or maybe someone that you just watch on the waiver wire to see how he plays, how he's used those first couple weeks of the season. Because, I don't know, I'm cautiously optimistic here. I think he's going to have the opportunity to show that he's more than just a catch-and-shoot guy or a dunker, as we saw him winning a dunk contest last year. So I was hoping to find out your guys' thoughts last week, but we're going to do that today. So floor is yours. And it sounds like Steve has to go. Steve, you got to get out of here? Uh, Yeah. I thought we were... uh... Yes, I got to go. You, okay, you go. We're going to finish this Anthony Simons conversation. Go get your tires fixed. Okay, go Bravos at 4.30 today. Bye. Okay, thank you. All right, so Ryan, go ahead on Anthony Simons, and I'll jump in. This could be like a new segment. Matt sets him up. Raph mows him down. Uh, I, I will go with... I mean, Simons, I thought last year he had a chance to to do exactly basically what, what Raph said. And it turns out he wasn't even part of the rotation for stretches and uh, just had a, a pretty marginal role. And that's kind of the problem is Portland has given so many minutes to their top two guys and their decision to stagger McCollum off Lillard just keeps one of those guards on the floor all the time and reduces the opportunities for Simons to shine. Uh, maybe that all changes this year. Obviously, new head coach. Uh, new new approach, couple different personnel changes. So the upside is there, and he's an interesting flyer if you're in a deeper league. Uh, otherwise, I think Raf started that by saying just keep an eye on him on the waiver wire. Uh, yeah, for sure. He f- he falls into that camp of intriguing potential. Let's just kind of see what happens in weeks one, two, and three. Yeah, I mean, in your average like twelve or ten team league, I'm I'm not drafting him, but yeah, I think we all play in some deeper leagues where you're like, oh, what the hell do I do now? I think that's a good name to have on your hopefully long list of late round flyers. Yeah, one thing in addition to minutes I'll be watching is can he produce anything other than points and threes? If not, then just move on. Makes sense. Raf, are you satisfied? Did we check the Anthony Simons box? Yes, I, I am satisfied. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> nice. Good. All right, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We'll be back on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of next week as we ramp up toward the season. Three episodes per week. For now, thanks everyone for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. Ryan, Raph, Steve, who's no longer here. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.